in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah. So we got a volume button here with no numbers on it, no arrow on it. It just spins around, and which uh, is every uh, whoo. That was uh, that was pretty intense. Uh, you know, I should not complain about nothing because, and I know that was improper grammar, but I just listened to a podcast with a uh, a hitman, a hitman. Uh, well, at least his father was a hitman. Uh, have you ever heard the name Gregory Scarpa? Gregory Scarpa was a big hitman back in the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Did a lot of work with the FBI. He was a big informant. And uh, anyway, you know, he was a mobster, all right? And uh, I heard a podcast with his son, Gregory Scarpa Jr., who grew up in Brooklyn and Staten Island and uh, spent about the past 40 years in jail. He just got out about two years ago. For, I guess it was, what do they call that, um, humanitarian reasons? You know, he's on the verge of death, perhaps. And anyway, he went to Supermax. He went to Supermax in Colorado. But So I'm listening to this uh, podcast, and uh, he seems like a very nice, affable guy. He does admit at times, you know, yeah, I beat this guy nearly to death because, you know, wow, he's like, it just sounds so nice talking about breakfast and getting coffee. And then he talks about, you know, I pounded this guy into oblivion. <laughs> okay, you can just, yeah. Um, but he said something. He told a story about when he was growing up. And this this just, maybe I'm all wrong about everybody. Uh, and I got to consider this when I encounter just about anybody. So he's a young kid. His dad's a criminal. But, hey, he's a kid. So his dad is the master of the universe. He loves his father. It's beautiful, right? And Father's teaching teaching him how to play baseball, and they're very close, and it's all wonderful, as it should be. Now, the kid gets into a fight at school somewhere on Staten Island, and uh, the father gets wind of it and, uh, you know, tells him what happened. It was a playground fight, and he tells the kid, when you see him the next tomorrow, you hit him so hard, you send him to the hospital. And if he doesn't go to the hospital, if you don't injure him sufficiently, do not come home. The kid's 11 years old. He's getting this advice. He said, you go up right up to him right away and beat him up so bad that he's got to go to the hospital. And the next day he does it. Of course, he loves his father. Why wouldn't he? Well, why wouldn't he? I mean, lots of reasons. I just thought for a second, you know what? His relationship sounded a lot like the relationship I had with my father. Right up until the horrible, violent advice. You know, my dad taught me all these great things. We were great friends. I just looked up to him. And uh, at that moment, I were an 11-year-old, and my dad told me to go up and punch somebody so hard to send him to the hospital. I probably would have done it. And I probably would have become a criminal, um, a career criminal. It's just like, wow, it's, um, you know, Judge... I'm not saying this guy didn't deserve to go to jail and all that stuff. you got to have consequences, but you walk in somebody else's shoes. You know what I mean? I could have, if I didn't have the father I had, I would um, be a different person. And if I had uh, Gregory Scarpa Sr., may he rest in peace, by the way. I don't want any problems with uh, anybody in that that community. Um, But it is, isn't that interesting? I think it's interesting. And I hope uh, this Greg Scarpa Jr. did sound like a very nice guy. I I only got through part one of the podcast, so part two. Oh, he did say 
that he had remorse, remorse for his actions, and he goes from Supermax Prison, which is in, I think, Florence, Colorado. This is where the worst of the worst go. And they have it designed that you never see the sunshine. You, you, everything's concrete. You're totally on your own. They give you a little black and white TV with three channels, but you're totally on your own. In the morning, you're able to get uh, 20 minutes of uh, outside time, but it's before the sun comes up. Just sounds like a brutal place. And at some point, they transfer him to a state prison, some state prison in Illinois, run by the state of Illinois. And the guy thinks he's in paradise. <laughs> he's just like they're playing baseball. Uh, you know, you can walk around. You can see grass. You can see the sun. It's just he fe- he felt like he was free, actually, and yet he was still in prison. But isn't that something? Imagine if somebody near and dear to you who you looked up to and you're 10 years old tells you to – do something horrible, and uh, you agree to it because why wouldn't you? It's your, you? You love them. You trust them. And, of course, they have the very best in mind for you. All right. Uh, what else is going on? we got to get rid of this Kevin McCarthy. I am not impressed. He doesn't have the intellectual uh, capacity. He's just not the guy for the moment. Tonight on my show, I'm hearing from all these uh, top guys. Yesterday I heard from, we heard from, Congressman Jim Jordan. Now he is on Kevin McCarthy's side. That's fine. Respect that. But... Jim Jordan's on our side. He's he's going to be investigating the FBI, the Bidens, and all this stuff is necessary. Why is Hunter Biden necessary to investigate him? Well, through him, Joe Biden just might be compromised. He just might be owned not only by the Chinese, but by the Ukrainians and or the Russians. And that affects all of us. So we got to get to the bottom of that, Jim Jordan. And then tonight I'll have Matt Gates on the show. Matt Gates, Congressman, Republican of Florida. You've seen him, right? Uh, another superstar, and he is on our side. And I heard something. I, I saw it on a, on Twitter. Is he going around actually saying this, that he'd rather be waterboarded than vote for Kevin McCarthy for speaker? So there's got to be some alternatives. And what's wrong with Kevin McCarthy? Well, number one, uh, the results were abysmal. Not abysmal. We got it back, but it should have been a slam dunk. It, we should have a hell of a lot more seats. We should have had 30 or 40. I personally know some people he screwed over, like J.R. Majewski. He did not give him. J.R. Majewski was a guy running for a regular guy, but a great candidate, running for Congress in Ohio. And McCarthy let him left him high and dry. Promised him money, but never delivered. And that's what you're supposed to do. You spend money. You give these guys money. It's not your money, though, Kevin, you know? Uh, and he's he's a little uh, he's a worrier. He's he's a follower. And ultimately, he just wants to be liked. And ultimately, he just wants power at the same time. Here's Kevin McCarthy. Forgive me. Wetting his pants after January 6th. He's telling uh, Liz Cheney, of all people, that Donald Trump should resign <laughs> with 12 days to go in office. He says Donald Trump should resign. Uh, here's that phone call. Cut 36. Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about Pence pardoning. I got it. And the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should be done. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it. But I don't know. But I don't know. Did you? He said my advice would be to resign. That's my advice. Will he take it? I don't know. But that's what I'm going to tell him. It's Kevin McCarthy. He is at that point the minority leader. And, and 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 here he is again, just Kevin McCarthy, congressman in the leadership. 
he has responsibility for January 6th. You know, it's great to be friends with the cops, all right? I'm friends with the cops. You're friends with the cops. But when you're in leadership and those cops work for you, you got to be in charge. You can't just be buddy-buddy with them. And I think that's what Kevin was, buddy-buddy with them. He's not asking, why the hell did you guys uh, just put bicycle racks out there to secure the Capitol? No. Instead, guess what? Like everybody else, he says it was all Trump's fault. Here he is from back then. This is January 13th or so. Kevin McCarthy on the floor of the U.S. Congress. Cut 38. Are you prepared to endorse? Stop. Stop. Sorry. Uh, Cut 37. Last week's violent attack on the Capitol was undemocratic, un-American, and criminal. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. Stop! He did, by the way. He did. He's responsible, though. He gave a speech. He gave a speech. And in that speech, he said people should peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. Capitol Hill forces, Capitol Hill police, let them inside. I've proven it. There is categorical, rock-solid evidence that they were allowed inside. Kevin does not. The more I think about it, the angrier I get. This guy needs to go. What else did he say that day? He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest and ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. Oh, man. All right. Um, Quell the riot. He's supposed to quell. That's not the way the government works, by the way. If he did see it on TV, and I'm not sure if he did, if he was actually watching television on January 6th, guess what? It actually didn't look that bad. I've proven this on my show as well. All you got are a bunch of people walking around. They're just walking around the Capitol outside. That's what they were showing. That's what they were showing on CNN. And I do remember, though, the anchors were so appalled, so incensed. Can you believe this? Look at this. This is an insurrection. This is a coup. And I'm like, uh, they're just kind of standing around. And they're outside the Capitol. The footage of those people inside the Capitol did not come out until later, later in the week. And... um you know what they had going against them, actually, and why the the anchors were speaking with such venom? Yeah, because they were MAGA people. Oh, and a lot of them um, happened to be white. And boy, oh boy, talk about a group that's held in contempt these days, huh? I wish nobody was judged on uh, the exterior factors, uh, but the fake news loves it, and they have very little regard, le- very little regard. Uh, Let's see here. What's the other thing that Kevin McCarthy did? Oh, he's not much of a politician. I saw him walking around with this huge entourage, this ordinary guy from California. You know, just a a swamp guy, got into politics with an internship at the age of 22. Then he runs for the state house, and then he runs for Congress. He's a machine guy. He doesn't believe in ideas or values. He's in it for the game. He's in it for the power. He's in it for the perks. And, oh, by the way, perks, I I looked up footage, and I showed it on my show last night, the Speaker's office. You know, we played a clip last week of Mitch McConnell's office. 
Uh, I have uh, three offices at the Capitol, and I have two across the street at the Hard uh, uh, Office Building, and then I have uh, several in uh, Kentucky. I'm just the guy is all this stuff, and he has a fireplace in his office. Do you have a fireplace in your office? Um, so the office of the Speaker looks like it's even better than the minority Senate leaders, and then once you get that, you're set for life. Anyway. But even with when it comes to political skill, just the ordinary things you got to do as a politician, you know, you're going to take questions and you got to handle them. And, you know, maybe you don't want to answer them, but there is a way to not answer questions. Listen to they want to get Kevin McCarthy on. Are you supporting Trump? Right. That's the hot button issue they try to push on these rhinos. And uh, you figure by now they could handle it. I mean, Kevin McCarthy seems to hate Trump, but you got to handle it better than this. Right. Cut 38, please. Are you prepared to endorse President Trump? Why? No, are you, are you prepared to endorse him? Do you nope. endorse him? You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. I mean, look, I don't like the fake news either. But you got to do better than that. You guys are crazy. First he says, why? Are you? Will you impress? Let me hear that again, please, one more time. Are you prepared to endorse President Trump? Why? Why? No, are, are you prepared to endorse him? Do you endorse him? You guys are crazy. Uh, so I don't think he's ready for the job. I think Matt Gates is. I think Lee Zeldin is. Congressman Lee Zeldin, yes, he lost in the governor's race. But thanks to Lee Zeldin and that awesome campaign he waged, just based on New York alone, we picked up enough seats for the Republicans to take, for insanity to take control and he just might be the next, well, probably not, actually. It's too much of a long shot. But it would have been nice. Uh, I got to go. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Definitely have a problem. I I really can't stop buying pens and stationery. I don't know what it is. It's just every, it's like an opportunity for a fresh start. And there's so many colors and different pens to choose from. I blew another 60 bucks at that place. Uh, I just, oh gosh, it is, I gotta stay the hell out of those stores. You can't go in and buy one pen, one this, one that. You just go in and you blow it all. And, um, uh, pretty soon my wife is gonna find out about that habit. And, uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll be that. Wait, what was the other thing? Oh yeah. Does anybody ever watch the local, I'm not sorry, the local, the national news, the evening news with Nora O'Donnell or the evening news with David Muir? I was just kind of, Pretty wild. First of all, Nora O'Donnell, I'm sorry, but, you know, deer in the headlights, right? She's just, I mean, just her eyes are just, they keep you up at night. She's just, I, I don't know, there's something about it. Last night's Thursday night, and she says, we have breaking news regarding the case in Idaho where those four college students were killed. You ready for the breaking news? She says, they were stabbed to death. All right. Uh, uh, I knew that. When I first heard the story, there was no, I mean, they, they said that right away. I guess the breaking news is the coroner made it official. And then they cut to this person who quite frankly, doesn't look like a coroner. does not look like, um, who was the famous coroner? Quincy, right? It was not at all like in a laboratory or in a hospital. It was just like this lady who appeared to be a librarian. I mean, literally more, look, look more like a librarian. And I know the difference between medical books and, uh, normal books. These look like normal books. Very strange. Breaking news, breaking news. There's another weird story out there. Has anybody seen the sheep in China? Have you heard about this? 
there are a bunch of sheep in some farm in China, and you know what they're doing? They're walking around in a circle, and they've been doing it for three weeks, and they have not stopped. I've seen it. It's like spooky video. It's really, really weird. And, you know, with China, I just don't trust the authorities over there. You know, are they messing with these sheep? Are they giving them uh, messing with their balance or uh, what? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Jim is on the phone. And where are you, Jim? Where is that place? Uh, upstate New York, Aston, New York. Ask who? Where? About half a mile east of Binghamton, up where you used to work when you first started. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I should know that. Wait a second. It's spelled wrong here. It's spelled on my sh- chart, A-S-T-O-N. Where do that's you it. live? Oh, uh, gosh. It. Boy. It's, 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 it's a little town like Mayberry. We bought a little farm up there back in 2016. All right. I was there for about eight months. I never heard of it. Anyway, welcome, sir. What's up? Well, you were talking about Scarpa and what his father taught him about hurting someone who picked on you. Uh, my father taught me the same thing. Um, he grew up in a broken family in Jersey City. My uncle was a real mobster, a real mobster. He did 10 years in Rawway and five years in uh, Trenton. And my father came from a broken family, and he was in that way for a while. He killed anybody, but he used to collect for my uncle. And my father was a very, very tough guy. But he took away. Oh, you're breaking up. Kid. If anybody bigger ever picks on you, you do whatever you can to put him in the hospital. Even if he's twice your size, you take you take a cinder block and crush his face. He'll never bother you ever well, again. Well, yeah, I know, so, but he might be killed. I just, man, look, I'm all for uh, preemptive and proactive uh, violence when it's necessary. But there are limits sending the guy to the hospital. You're saying your dad told you to do that? Absolutely. I put three people in the hospital, one in junior high and two in high school. All right, careful. The cops are listening. Uh, I, uh, wow. Hey, Jim, do me a favor. Hold on. If you got, I sound, you sounds like you're in the car. I got one more question for you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You, you got people who are afraid of being pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're being stabbed, beaten to death on the street with hammers. Go talk to the Asian American community and how it's impact them with the loss of lives. Jewish people targeted with raw, violent anti-Semitism on our streets. It just happened yet again. We need to be talking about all of these other crimes, but instead, Kathy Hochul's too busy patting herself on the back. Job well done. No, actually, right now, there should be a special session. The state legislature should come back and they should overhaul Castle's bail and these other pro criminal laws with zero tolerance. Congressman Zeldin, job well done to you, sir, to you. All right. He's not going to be the next governor, unfortunately, uh, but he helped turn the Congress back over to insane, uh, sane, responsible people. And there's a chance that Lee Zeldin will be the next Republican National Committee chairperson. Serious talk about that. Uh, winning that election, though, is tricky. Uh, it's not an up. It's you know, who the hell votes for the Republican national chairman? Uh, we don't. Ordinary people don't. You got uh, these. Uh, I don't know who does it. County chairman, state chairman. And uh, they've got all kinds of convoluted deals going. Uh, remember, Rana Romney McDaniel. She's currently in there. Uh, she seems to hate Trump from the best I can tell. So um, Lee Zeldin, he's not going to be speaker. Oh, Hakeem Jeffries is going to be. Probably the next minority leader of the House of Representatives. He's a Democrat from Brooklyn. And uh, talk about hating Trump and hating people who love Trump. This is Akeem Jeffries. Uh, Wow. You ready to hear more from this guy uh, next two years? Cut 43. 
the threat right now in this country to the American people are extreme MAGA Republicans. That's the threat. That's the problem. That's the crisis that we confront. Extreme MAGA Republicans. That's it, huh? Me. I would call my, my extreme, I would say ultra, ultra, ultra MAGA. What is extreme? Nothing extreme seems to be good, but what's wrong with MAGA? What's wrong with make America great again? What's wrong with strong borders? What's wrong with not losing wars? What's wrong with deregulation? What's wrong with a fair and just FBI that doesn't harass ordinary citizens? What is wrong with any of that? I stand by that agenda. I stand by the MAGA agenda. And they, he, there he is saying it's a clear and present danger and all that nonsense. Uh, he's not much in the way of uh, seniority in the House of Representatives. Mm, he's been there for about 10 years. There are probably dozens of people more senior. And doesn't it really go on seniority? I think a big reason why he may get the job uh, is his name, Hakeem. It's a cool name. And uh, let's face it, it's um, it's very fashionable now, right? I mean, what do you who wants a Joseph or a Bill or a Tom or a Sally, but Hakeem. All right. Um, it's, it's a cool name. I'm telling you what I'm trying to say is though, I think identity politics may have a role in the appointment of Hakeem Jeffries. I could be wrong. All right, Jim, back to you upstate. Uh, what were we talking about? All right. Yeah. So your dad told you to put people in the hospital and you did it. Um, if, if, if they were bigger than you and trying to pick on you. Well, now, I, 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 as I said, it's okay to, you know, I understand you got to, you know, send a message and all that stuff, but you literally send people to the hospital. Three times. I put one person in the hospital. <laughs> well, I hope you got sent to jail, actually, for the night no, at least. No, no. Back in the day, I got three days suspension in high school my senior year, two weeks before high school graduation. And my teacher, who witnessed it all, who got in front of me, I pushed her out of the way and did what I had to do. Oh, jeez. She winked, she winked at me and called me Rocky. She was a tough, tough English well, teacher. How old are you, 80? I mean, what the hell did you – I mean, I, you don't sound like you're that old. I, uh, what, I, uh, I'm 58, and I'll outwork most 25-year-olds. And uh, what happened to you after high school? Did you, uh, did you start a life of crime or, or what? I've owned multiple businesses. I own businesses now. Never was a criminal. You got to remember, I my father grew up in Jersey City in Hoboken. Very, very tough. And if you you had to show you were tough, or you you get eaten alive. I, I, I I'm all for being tough. I'm all for being independent. And I, sometimes you got to defend yourself. But when you start telling, uh, you know, send that guy to the hospital. Well, you. you what happened? What, you could have killed somebody. All right. Look, I'm glad everything turned out great. And, you you know, you didn't break the law after these incidents and uh, you became an outstanding citizen. Um, but imagine if something went wrong. All right. I mean, your life would be very, very different. Would, can we admit now that it's bad advice to tell an Absolutely. impressionable child to go out and send somebody to the hospital? Nope. I, I had my granddaughter in school told me this kid was picking on her. OK. And, and you said what? I told her to punch her heart as hard as she can right in the face, and she'll never pick on you again. All right, thanks, Jim. Hey, Jim, Jim, that is ludicrous advice. It's just the worst advice. <laughs> Number one, I, I somehow I still like you. You seem like a nice guy. I just think this is uh, criminally insane. And, and there are other ways to solve our differences. I mean, there should be, there, and especially a girl. How old was this uh, grandkid of yours? 
Five, 14. 14. You remember, your, 14. Dad, your dad grew up, grew up I, being a cop. You had a different different perspective. Oh, on yeah, it. we had it easy, right? Yeah, I was just, uh, oh, boy, I was an aristocrat. Yeah, right. I mean, I just, yes, I did have, we all have different perspectives, and uh, I personally th- think it's preferable to not tell children to send other people to the hospital. Uh, you got to defend yourself. You got to be tough. And my dad did not raise a wimp. And uh, I had a bully I had to deal with. And I had a strategy, a physical one, on dealing with that guy. But sending somebody to the hospital as a mission, I'm sorry, Jim. I'm sorry. Stop. T- you're protecting yourself. Yeah, all right, Jim. All right, all right. That You're protecting yourself. All right. Let's end on a positive note. Um, hmm. Uh, hmm. What? Ca- <laughs> I don't know, Jim. I don't know. I can't get over this one. What, what do you What, what do you like to do for fun when you're not beating people up or telling other people to beat people up? What do you like to do? I, I like I love fly fishing and tying flies. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't understand that myself. Uh, it seems like, I, but I know I know people love it and they do it, and it's a big, big, big thing. Uh, thank you, pal. Um, am I wrong? I don't want to sound like. Um, Am I out of touch? I just don't think you tell a kid to send somebody. His granddaughter, punch her so hard. You know, you punch somebody. You punch somebody so hard. You know what you can do? You can actually kill them. They can fall and hit their head and die. You can break their jaw. My cousin had his jaw broken, changed his life. Actually, for the better, he lost 60 pounds. (laughs) He He was very, very overweight at one point. Um, let me see here. Let's do one other. John in Staten Island. Yes, John. Yeah. Hi, Greg. You know, Greg, um, the Republicans are blowing it already as far as I'm concerned. All we're hearing about is who the Republicans are going to investigate. Unfortunately, you know, the American people aren't that interested in investigations, Greg. They want to know what the Republicans are going to do to reverse the damage the Democrats have done. Republicans need to get out there with a list of particulars to address this. And, you know, if they don't, the left-wing media and the Democrats, they're going to set the narrative that the Republicans are more interested in revenge than helping the American people. I can hear it now. Even though the Democrats caused all these problems, they'll make Biden out to be the victim his approval ratings will actually uh, the, the media is going to say what they're going to say, and, and the, the, their narrative is always going to be fake, and the fake news is the fake news. But, no, I disagree with you. These investigations have to be conducted. It is Congress is the responsibility of Congress. And, oh, by the way, yeah, we know what the problems are, you know, from chronic inflation to losing wars to the border out of control. Um, how many laws do you think the House of Representatives can enact, can pass? Well, they can do some things. How them. many laws can the House of Representatives pass and enact? Uh, I, I don't know if they can do that. Do the answer is zero. The answer is zero. Okay? You remember this from Schoolhouse Rock. Okay? You know, the House has got to pass it, and then the Senate passes it, and I think they have something called a conference committee, and then they, they work on it a little bit more, and then they vote on it again, and then they send it to the president who signs it into law. You think they're going to be signing any uh, Republican bills into law anytime soon? All right. It's one of the reasons why we're disappointed. We did not take the Senate back and we don't have much of a a majority in the in the House. I don't know about you, man, but I want to know why we left one hundred billion dollars worth of weapons in Afghanistan. I really do. I want I want some accountability from the intelligence community, both uh, former and present 
who lied to protect Joe Biden um, and hurt Donald Trump. Um, I want uh, an investigation and I want the truth about Joe Biden and his bragging about extorting Ukraine, (laughs) extorting Ukraine, getting into fire a state prosecutor. Look, the media ain't going to do any of this stuff. They're not. And now at this point, you're looking for a pat on the head from the media. These are real issues, man. This is real stuff. I would love it. I would love it if we lived in a world. And let's see what we can do for the American people. I would love it. I would love it. But we don't have that right now. We have adversarial government. We do not have uh, have a divided government as well. These investigations, by the way, are all if they were to lay out a phony below, even a holistic legislative agenda, it, it, it's, it's not going to make a difference. It's not. It's not going to make a difference in your life and my life because it's not going to get passed. I also want to know more about the FBI. According to um, whistleblowers, they have been exaggerating the threat of domestic terrorism characterizing all kinds of crimes as domestic terrorism and falsely linking them to January 6th and harassing people, especially pro-lifers. So, John, uh, don't fall for the hype. You're falling for the hype, actually, because the the Democrats are, you're right, they are already criticizing this, and so are a lot of Republicans. We really should not be uh, investigating. Uh, and you know what? I used to be, and I don't want to be, I don't want to look. I was naive too, not that long ago. Okay, I thought, boy, oh boy, investigations. Can't they just do the people's business? Well, this is the people's business. And as far as passing laws like Schoolhouse Rock, it ain't gonna happen, John. I'm sorry. That's where well, we are. Um, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying the investigations aren't important, but we've got to do what we can to show the success of conservative policies. As opposed to the failures of liberal policy. You know, John, I, I, that's, I know. All right. Well, look, if you don't like the way it's being going down, you know, you can run for Congress and get there. Uh, these policies, they're great ideas. I believe they work. The House of Representatives, they're not governing the country. They're just, they're not. They're not going to be able to do that. You got a Senate that's in the hands of the Democrats. You got a White House that's in the hands of the Democrats, you know, passing laws. You know how it works. Uh, yeah, they have subpoena power. That's the big thing. Did you hear Jim Jordan on the show yesterday? Subpoena power. It's important. It's one of the roles. Oversight. You can look it up, by the way. 9-11, the September 11th attacks. You know one of the reasons why that happened? Because Congress got out of the business of oversight. And some of this, they're only looking for headlines, only looking for this, that, and the other thing. The intelligence community needs to be investigated. The law enforcement community, we wouldn't have had a 9-11 if Congress did its investigative job appropriately prior to 9-11. I really believe that, and so does the 9-11 Commission, by the way. John, thank you very much. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, hey, what is going on at Fox News? Now, I like some of the people at Fox News. Not many, to be honest. Uh, ooh, Gutfeld is cool, and I like Tucker. But even even Gutfeld, no one's talking about Trump. So Trump declares on Tuesday night, right? Great big speech. And what does the five do? You know, the five, that's like their hottest show. They sit around and talk about what's hot. What are the hot issues? We cut this up for the Newsmax show. This is a little bit of them just kind of going off about, (laughs) you know, TV shows, uh, you name it. Everything but Trump. Cut 44. 
We are live from Hollywood, Florida for the fourth annual Patriot Awards. The sun is shining bright and you can taste a little extra freedom in the air. Great, but I figured out like why there are so many fights on planes. Nobody can see the last word. So the guy's pushing his bag into the overhead compartment and the guy said, hey, could you watch out for my bag? And the other guy goes, I'm respecting the space of yes. your bag. And so this is like... So it's all cute. It's all funny. You can let it go. And it's fine, but it's not about Trump. Why? Because they've got their marching orders. They got their marching orders from a guy named Rupert Murdoch and um, Rupert or Lackland or whatever. They don't like Trump. It's because it's a billionaire versus billionaire thing. And the billionaires are very, very important. So Steve Ducey, who's a very nice guy, but, you know, he is a boss as well. And uh, listen to this. He makes it sound like it's totally up to the billionaires. And maybe it is as to who becomes president. This is Steve Ducey talking to Mike Pence. Listen to how Ducey frames the question about these mega donors. And he's not mentioning he's not mentioning Rupert Murdoch, but he might as he's talking about him without mentioning it. He's naming other billionaires. But remember, Rupert Murdoch is in the same category. Listen to this. Is this how democracy is supposed to work? What Steve is describing, cut 46. You're going to need money. And in particular, anybody who runs for president needs a lot of money. The mega donors, uh, so far, it, it doesn't look like they're back behind Donald Trump. Ken Griffin, uh, the CEO at Citadel, has said he would back Ron DeSantis. This morning, Axios has got a story that uh, Steve Schwartzman, the guy behind Blackstone, worth billions of dollars, he's defecting. Uh, he said it's time for a new generation of leadership. I intend to support one of them, the new generational leadership, in the presidential primaries. He, They all say we want somebody who is electable. All these mega donors, right? Mega donors, mega donors. Well, he's also, he might as well have mentioned um, Rupert. Rupert. And it's up to the American people, not these mega donors, right? Right? I think so. Uh, so Fox has lost its way. Oh, I got a big reaction, by the way, for this story, that poor story about the janitor. Hey, anybody live in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania? We got to find this guy. His name is Juan Acosta. He's a janitor, as a New York City school system janitor. He works very hard. He gets to work at 6 in the morning. He drives 75 miles from Pennsylvania, which is a fascinating commute. you got to go all the way through New Jersey. Uh, they've got some hard chargers at this station, by the way, who make a similar commute. And what is his crime? What, what The New York Post reported exclusively that Juan Acosta is doing. Are you ready for this? He's bringing trash to the trash can. He literally, that's what they wrote a big story. This poor janitor, this regular guy, cool guy, as far as I'm concerned, he gets to work on time early, uh, works overtime. He makes about 150000 160000 with all of the overtime. Good for him. You know, it's funny. I've noticed this about the New York Post. They got a billionaire running the show who, but some of the reporters they get very jealous of people who make more money than they do. And some of these guys, you know what I mean? They get very jealous. 160000 oh, that's a, that's too much money for a janitor. So they try to get him. And this janitor was nailed by the New York Post. They have video of him unloading his car, taking trash out of his car, and putting it where? On the sidewalk with other trash. They blow this guy's life up. And they go to the Department of Sanitation, which, oh, by the way, has an investigative unit. And they're like, we take this very seriously, and the matter is under investigation. Juan Acosta, 
We are on your side, sir. How do we find this guy? Help us. Or if you, hey, by the way, if you want me to stop talking about it, I'll stop talking about it. But it's still online. This video of you putting the trash out. Sorry, pal. And New York Post. Gosh, you owe this guy. What are these reporters' names? Uh, Susan Edelman. Susan Edelman and Rich Calder. And I'm not the only one. They they got they're getting a lot of beef from the readers. I see the readers. Good stuff. Good stuff. The people get it as usual. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I was watching the Nora O'Donnell show. We were just talking about that. And, uh, wow, I won't be watching anytime soon. First of all, she just looks like she's telling ghost stories to everybody. There's something really kind of, uh, I don't know. She just has this look as if she's terrified of you, of herself, of the news, everything. She just looks scared uh, and very, very stylish, like almost too, too well-dressed. She's wearing, what the hell was she wearing? A double-breasted light blue uh, suit. It was just a little bit too much. And um, anyway, so you know about that horrible thing that happened in Idaho, those college kids stabbed to death, right? When did that happen, by the way? It's over the weekend, wasn't it? Was it Monday or it was, it was over the weekend? I think it was like Saturday. Sunday morning? Okay. So last night's, and the very first thing I heard was they were uh, stabbed, right? I mean, everybody knows this. That's. So uh, last night on the news, they interrupt the news with some breaking news. You ready? Here we go. Well, we're just getting some breaking news in the case of those four college students who were murdered in Idaho. The autopsy report was just released and reveals the victims were stabbed to death. The county coroner tells CBS News that the killer likely used the same large knife to attack all four students. All right. I don't know. Is that breaking news? We all we heard right away. The cops said right away they were all stabbed to death. Is the part about the same knife? I mean, did anybody ever – I don't know. I, I just – it was a little much. It was a little much, but maybe I'm being nitpicky. we got to find out. The cops have been weird in that case, by the way. Um, uh, what do they say? The, the person uh, – the community is not at risk. Uh, however, we have no suspects. It was just very strange. Um, the community is not at risk, but the person's out there somewhere, but nobody should be alarmed and – Moscow, Idaho, uh, half the town is left, by the way. Uh, they're just, sorry, law enforcement, I think, is um, often when it comes to what they say to reporters, they don't say as much as they should or they can. Uh, I think we got to get them some better media training. Not all departments. Uh, some some are really good at it. Some are really bad. Moscow, Idaho. Oh, and also, San Francisco, this game they continue to play with the Paul Pelosi situation. It's not over, folks. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what the hell's going on? Wait, 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 wait. Wait just a second. 
The Attorney General, Merrick Garland, is about to appoint a special counsel to oversee Trump investigations. Ha! Oh, yeah, right. How, what do you mean, how dare they? They're horrible, corrupt, malignant fools. That's, of course, how the Biden administration operates. Here we are on the poise. Hey, you got that, John, in Staten Island? (laughs) Yeah, are you indignant about this investigation, I wonder? How about this? All right, we'll have to see what he actually says, but the report is that they're going to. Now, a special counsel, gosh, he's no longer in power, for crying out loud, and he's just declared for president, and the federal government, hey, they're going after their political enemies using the power of the federal government. Oh boy, is that funny? That's what they accused Trump of doing all along. That's he. If he thought about it, they they try to impeach him for possibly thinking about it, <laughs> just thinking out loud about it, and they're doing it. They are doing it. All right, there goes the show tonight. I'm gonna have to make a few adjustments. Uh, this is this is bad. This is really bad. This is. Whew. They're trying this. Talk about a threat to democracy. Hey, the people, let the people decide on whether Trump or, you know, obviously you're harassing him to death. Trying to harass. This is insane. A special counsel going after him. We had the Robert Mueller probe. We had fake impeachment number one, fake impeachment number two. We had, yeah, Russia hoax, all this stuff. He's out. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Bad, 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 bad. How about you investigate the Paul Pelosi situation? Because the federal government, actually, you guys seem to be lying about that. Yes, you do. Something's wrong here. Who the hell opened the door? Paul Pelosi or the cops? Well, the federal government says in their indictment of the pape that the cops opened the door. But the body cam footage shows that Mr. Pelosi opened the door. And that Mr. Pelosi, after opening the door, walked all the way back into the house to be right next to Mr. DePape for some reason. Now, uh, now, why is this a big deal? Come on, Greg, it's over. Come on. Well, you know, they use this to try to minimize, which they somewhat succeeded in, Republican gains uh, at the election. Right. Nancy Pelosi disappears when this happens, and she reemerges when? The night before the election, saying that it was all January 6th, all January 6th. Hey, by the way, Kevin, when this thing starts, we got to um, make an arrangement because I want to hear it. And uh, here's Paul Pelosi, by the way. Here's another story about the Paul Pelosi. This is actually a pretty good report. Strangely enough, it comes from NBC. NBC News, the local station out there in San Francisco. Now, when they did this on the national level, they pulled the report two hours later because Nancy Pelosi, we believe, complained about it, and they suspended the reporter, Miguel Almaguer. But this guy's still on the job. Let's listen to what he has to say. Uh, roll it, please. Craig, good morning. When officers arrived, no, 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 not that one. The first one. This was going on upstairs. Information tonight on the story that we've been tracking: the attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Our investigative team looked into why state and federal prosecutors each described one specific detail of the police response differently. Senior. Investigative reporter Begat Shaban has been checking with his sources to try and clear it up. 
who joins us now, and you've got some answers, Big Well, just this all has to do with the moments, seconds, really, just before Paul Pelosi was struck in the head with a hammer inside his San Francisco home. Now, there continues to be contradicting accounts of a relatively simple question. Who opened the door that night when San Francisco police arrived to the Pelosi house? Now, the Department of Justice says the two officers opened the door. That's according to a federal indictment filed earlier this week. But the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, in another court document that was filed earlier this month, said Mr. Pelosi opened the door with his left hand. So, the question is, what really happened? According to a source familiar with the investigation, who personally watched the police body camera footage from that night, officers knocked on the door of the Pelosi home, then backed away. And the video clearly shows Paul Pelosi opened the door with his left hand, just like what was noted in the documents filed by the DA's office. Now, also as written in the DA docs, the source tells us the body cam video shows officers having a brief conversation with Pelosi and David DePap. That's the man accused of breaking into the Pelosi home. Before DePap starts beating Pelosi with a hammer. We reached out to the Department of Justice for an explanation on its differing account of this seemingly innocuous issue of who right, opened uh, the door, Evan, but so far we have not heard back. By, uh, However, I did get break, to ask San Francisco DA Brooke Jenkins directly about another issue many people are wondering about earlier this week, based on her office's account of Paul Pelosi opening the door. The case has certainly garnered a fair share of conspiracy theories about what actually happened that night. As part of your investigation, are you able to shed any light as to why Paul Pelosi didn't run out of the house towards police officers when he was able to actually open the door for them when they arrived? What I'm not able to do is to speculate or try to place my opinion on why someone acted the way they did in any case. Um, all we have is what happened. Everybody reacts to situations differently, and he will one day need to explain, right, to potentially a jury, why he did what he did, um, and what thought process was going on in his mind. But certainly we know that all victims of crime respond very differently in the, under the stress of the situation, and I don't think it's fair for us to place what we believe, um, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. Alright, i got to ask you this, because, I mean, in the end, does it really even matter whether he opened the door, the guy opened the door, the police opened the door? I mean, how does that change the scenario? If you move away just conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, the reality is right now, Jess, we have no reason to believe that it matters at all. And that's why our source who has seen the police body cam radio can't understand why federal investigators wrote that officers opened the door because they say the video shows officers didn't. But when two police agencies give slightly different accounts of what happened in this kind of high-profile case like this one, it just feeds into conspiracy theories, and that's what we're seeing right now on social media. People inventing crazy stories based on something as simple as who actually opened the door. Yes, and in a situation, I mean, Brooke Jenkins said that there, in a situation like that, when so many things are happening, it is chaotic for the victim. So let's put all that aside. Thank you. Thank you, Begad. Let's put all that aside. Oh, just conspiracy theories, right? Just conspiracy theories. So they raise a critical question. They bring a camera down to talk to the DA. But to give themselves cover, they say, oh, you know, there are these conspiracy theories. There are these conspiracy theories. Well, there are, I call them, you know what they do say about conspiracy theories lately, right? <laughs> it's um, it's the news just six months early. Okay. Um, look, questions have been raised by me about whether or not Paul Pelosi knew Mr. DePape ahead of time. 
That's a fair question to ask. Now, Paul Pelosi, let's face it, has had an erratic 2022. He was pulled over for drunk driving in Napa. He was arrested for drunk driving. He had a companion with him in the car who ran off. We don't know anything about that. I think it's interesting. I think it's not a conspiracy theory at all. If anything, for them, what they did, what they tried to say that this was January 6th related, they immediately tried to exploit this for political benefit. Immediately. Look, there are all kinds of whole. I noticed it right off the bat. And the, this is on them. Not a conspiracy theory. You know, what are we supposed to do in America? Is it, oh, the, the, the authorities said this guy's guilty, therefore he's guilty? Is that how it works? No. No, it doesn't work that way. But when Nancy Pelosi says, uh, my husband got assaulted, I would like privacy at this time, that raises questions right there. Why would you want privacy? How about justice? Now, Nancy Pelosi, why, why, why would her office react that way? Number two. Why did the San Francisco Police Department initially <laughs> totally confuse the public about who opened the door and how many people were in the house? You see, look, Paul Pelosi may have been a victim here. I think he probably was. But if I have a friend in the house and uh, we have an argument about something, and I, this is a theory, by the way, let's say we have an argument about sports or politics, or drugs, or who knows what else, right? Anything. And uh, let's say it's about something nefarious. It doesn't matter. If I get hit in the head, I get hit in the head. I'm a victim. But it does kind of, it would mitigate the idea that this was driven by January 6th and all those MAGA people, right? Right? That's why this is important. It is and they're lying about us. They're diminishing us. That's what they do. That's what they've always done. And then sooner or later, you know, like, oh, by the way, turns out that the documents that Donald Trump uh, uh, had with him in Mar-a-Lago, nobody points this out, by the way. On January 20th of 2021, Donald Trump leaves Washington, D.C., and he's still the president of the United States. He left Washington as the president. He actually got to Mar-a-Lago. He was still the president of the United States. It was about 11 that morning, 11 a.m. He gets there. He's president of the United States. And he's allowed to have anything the hell he wants with him, classified, unclassified. He can have that stuff with him. I actually think that's the get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> Not that he should even be remotely in trouble on any of this. I noticed also that uh, contrary to the Constitution, um, Joe Biden took the oath of office about 20 minutes early. Took it uh, at about 11.40 in the morning. Why? I think they possibly wanted to get, <laughs> they wanted to take the oath before Trump actually showed up at Mar-a-Lago. Therefore, they could get him on the documents, maybe? I need a lawyer on the phone to tell me what the hell uh, to make of this thing with Merrick Garland. It does not look good to me at all. It looks like it's politics. It looks like they're again trying to get Trump. Is Rudy around? I only call him Rudy when he's... Uh, not around. I call him the mayor, actually, the mayor, Mayor Giuliani. We want to get uh, – I'd love to talk to him. Uh, let's see if we can make that happen. And before we do that, uh, oh, Paul in Dutchess County. Yes, Paul. Uh, hey, Paul, let's um, – please think about this Juan Acosta thing. First of all, the whole thing is ridiculous, and I don't think they should be putting this guy out in the news for this. It's such trivia. 
However, though, think about this. The guy makes over $160,000 a year. And trash removal in a rural area, you take it to the transfer station, the dump, two bucks. No, actually, well, it's $35 a month. I'm not going to – it's not news if somebody wants to save $35 a month. It's just not news. $160,000, how much does he How much does he burn up with the commute, by the way? That's a lot. He's not rich. He's not, he's not a rich man. And he's working his fingers to the bone. So what are you saying? Saying that if a guy's making a hundred grand a, a, a year to pay two bucks to take it to dump or forty, it works out to four hundred dollars a month. And you know what? When it when it comes to, uh, I'm I'm a bit of a cheapskate myself. I actually love it. I actually love not taking a cab. And you know, I added up in my head how much money I'm saving, and I, I love to save a few extra bucks. You know. $400 and I put it in my daughter's account or maybe I buy something for my wife or maybe I buy something for me. I think that's okay. I'm not going to fault this guy for that. It doesn't belong on the news, as you agree. That's the important part, Paul. We're in agreement on that. But let's not give the hard time. And I remember what I said, $160,000 and Rupert Murdoch owns it. That guy's worth $160 billion, given this guy. They used to do this. Afflict the comfort. How does it go again? Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. You know, some reporter making $90,000 probably resents that uh, this janitor makes 160. After all, he's just a janitor, right? You know, they have that attitude. They may not be making elite bucks, but they got an elite attitude. So um, I lay off him, pal. You know, across the board. If he wants to save money, he can. That's not a lot of money in today's day and age. It's just not. 160. Believe me, that's probably part of the story. They think a public official, a janitor, public official, a public employee, a janitor, shouldn't be making that kind of money. You see those stories every year. You know, some motorman for the Long Island Railroad makes $400,000 a year, and every year they do that story. And everybody, but you know what? How about try being that motorman? This is America, baby. You know, go for it. Go for it. Plenty of loafers, plenty of people out there mailing it in. I like them, Paul. And I think after my little talk, our little talk here, you're about to cut them some slack, aren't you? I'm, I'm ta- I, I might even do it myself. So <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. Uh, I got my eye on this Justice Department thing, and we're getting one of the finest lawyers in the world uh, ready for an appearance on this show. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to go right to the Department of Justice. This is the uh, Attorney General speaking right now. Authority of the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. The special counsel will also conduct the investigation involving classified documents and other presidential records, as well as the possible obstruction of that investigation. Today, I signed an order appointing Jack Smith to serve as special counsel. The order authorizes him to continue the ongoing investigation into both of the matters that I have just described and to prosecute any federal crimes that may arise from those investigations. Mr. Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. He began his prosecutorial career in 1994 as an assistant district attorney with the New York County DA's office. In 1999, he became an assistant U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York, where over the course of nine years, 
he prosecuted matters ranging from gang murders of police officers to civil rights violations. From 2008 to 2010, he served with the International Criminal Court, where he supervised war crimes investigations. In 2010, Mr. Smith returned to the Justice Department to serve as Chief of the Public Integrity Section, where he led a team of more than 30 prosecutors who handled public corruption and election crimes cases across the United States. All right. I, I don't know Jack Smith from Jack. I don't know Jack about Jack Smith. All right. He's a federal prosecutor. Rudy Giuliani is moments away from sitting down with me. Um, former U.S. attorney knows this stuff inside and out, obviously knows what went down. He knows um, that Donald Trump is being persecuted and now prosecuted unfairly. Um, now, he did say, I don't know. I, this seems this this seems like it stinks to me. All right. It seems like it stinks. Said one thing in there, though. They said, well, now that Joe Biden is also running for president, maybe we need. Um, is that another reason why we need a special counsel to take it out of the Justice Department's hands and put it in some neutral guy's hands? All right. Put up the volume again one more time. Charges should be brought. Although the special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day supervision of any official of the department, he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department. I will ensure that the special counsel receives the resources to conduct this work quickly and completely. Given the work to date and Mr. Smith's prosecutorial experience, I am confident that this appointment will not slow the completion of these investigations. Oh, boy, it'll probably quicken it, right? Here's $30 million. I did hear Joe Biden say the other day that they wanted to stop Trump and they'd figure out a way to do it. They didn't say do it at the ballot box. He said he'd do it some other way. Maybe this is that. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. So um, what does this mean? Rudy Giuliani will be joining me in a moment. wonder if he knows this Jack Smith guy. Jack Smith is the new special counsel, special prosecutor, who's going to be looking into uh, Trump, all things Trump, um, matters relating to January 6th, and matters relating to the uh, documents found at Mar-a-Lago. It's all a sham. It's all a scam. It's all an effort to get Trump, and they're doing it right in front of our eyes, politicizing, weaponizing the Department of Justice. I don't care what kind of – I don't care who Jack Smith is. Uh <laughs> I really don't. There are 50 Jack Smiths, by the way. I hope we're talking about the right Jack Smith. Be careful with this. Uh, how many Jack Smiths have been prosecutors for the federal government? I would say at least a dozen. At least. Um, I, I'm i nervous for the country. I am. Talk about going after the obstruction of... He, he talked about this. If the obstruction Garland did... Of the of a joint session of Congress, an obstruction. And right now, I got legal, as Mark Levin would say, analysts saying that could that could possibly include Republicans who stood up and said, uh, "We object to the counting of the electoral votes. We want to have a debate." Um, that was legal what they did. Uh, I I don't know. I, I mean, hopefully Jack Smith was like the fourth prosecutor they talked to. <laughs> And all the others said, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm too busy upholding the law. I have no interest in breaking it for you, Merrick Garland. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking a bit too um, prematurely on some of these matters. Um, 
All right, Rudy's here in a moment. Uh, Mike in Wayne, New Jersey. How you doing, pal? Good. What's more of a security risk? What Biden's doing with his kid with China and Russia and Ukraine, and they keep picking on Trump and they refuse to do anything about Biden? You're right. It is a scary time. And what's your choices if the FBI refuses to do their job in regards to Biden? How does that work? What's beeping in the background, by the way? Hold on, Greg. I'm sorry. I got I got something else going on. All right. That's good. But uh, that was my question. The beep is gone. Well, look, uh, as far as holding Biden accountable for any laws that he may have broken, uh, the FBI, they're not the prime movers on these uh, investigations conducted by the House of Representatives. They're they are not. They're not. Uh, I don't think Jim Jordan is going to be relying on them. He's going to be investigating them. Um. I got that part of the question. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, man. This is this is all wrong. This is all wrong. And I think this is more in response to um, it's two things. Donald Trump getting into the race, Joe Biden saying he's in the race and the Republicans taking power back. This is wow. These pl- these people are they 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 they're not afraid to uh, to to act corruptly, in my opinion. They're not afraid. Merrick Garland, what a wimp. You know, he's been getting a lot of heat from the left. Arrest him for crying out loud. This may have been done to appease the left because they are just incensed that Donald Trump is not in jail. Uh, they they really are. And, and Garland has been coming under a lot of criticism. I'm still I'm still taking this all in, Mike. I'm still taking this all in. This is significant, um, but I don't know. I don't know yet. What else? You know, but it's more of a security risk that what Biden's doing now. What? What Biden is involved with, that's a great security risk. They're talking about security risk. He's bought and paid for by China. Well, we are comp- I do believe he's compromised. Yes, I know. Uh, uh, all the money this guy's taken in over the over the years. And, uh, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Mike, I got to go because America's mayor, America's one of the top lawyers in the history of this country, just walked in the room. Mayor Giuliani, it's as you sit down, and I'm so glad to see you. Mr. Mayor, to bring you up to – I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Merrick Garland just appointed a special prosecutor to look into January 6th Trump and uh, Mar-a-Lago Trump stuff. But but not not $31 million in bribes from the Chinese government to the Biden family? Yeah, no, it's all Trump. It's all Trump. I mean, the the stuff with Trump is chicken feed compared to to Biden. Compared to Biden. So – Okay, but what does it mean when the, the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, comes out and appoints who did a, you appoint? Did, a guy named Jack Smith, who apparently has uh, experience in the Eastern District uh-huh. from 99 to 07? Does that name ring a bell? No, it doesn't. Um, I know, right, Jack Smith? <laughs> I think yeah, I know Jack. 10 of them. It's the most, most uh, anonymous name. Um, but Jack Smith, I just heard Jonathan Turley, who we kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah, from George Jonathan's Washington fair. University, say that this Jack Smith is... You know, it's, it's hard. No one's really going to have too much of a problem with him. So, down so, the middle lawyer. Sounds like he may have worked for some Republicans as well as some right. Democrats. But, you know, we know how a lot of Republicans feel about Trump. Just what does it mean when a they, they appoint a special prosecutor? Well, it, mean, it means that uh, he's acknowledging in a way that at least has the appearance of a conflict of interest if he handles it. Right. So wait, wait. All right. So I had this nagging feeling because I came out. I was upset. I was disturbed. But this could be a good thing, you're saying? It all depends on if they made a fair appointment of a fair guy who's going to give them an honest result or they put a they put a, um, 
a Mueller in who didn't know what he was doing and stuck him with uh, a bunch of, what was it, 17 Democrats or 15 Democrats and two independents and no Republicans? Well, remember, before Mueller got the job, Mueller was like, okay, yeah, Mueller, we could live with Mueller. He's a Yeah, but you didn't know. What? You didn't know, and I didn't know that Mueller had lost it. And that he had gotten kicked out of the Trump golf course. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I realized the first time I met with him, long before he appeared on television, fortunately made kind of a fool out of himself, I realized he wasn't the same Mueller. When I, the first time I met with him, which was the only time he would meet with me, he hid from me. Oh, yeah? When I first represented him, I wanted to get the ground rules straight on whether or not he believed he had the power to indict. Because the press was constantly writing that they were going to indict. Yeah. But they don't have the power to indict. All right. So when they so they have ostensibly taken this out of the attorney general's hands by this appointment? But then it will come back to him. It will come back to him, and he's still he in charge. He makes the final decision, or or as as Barr did, he can he – can, uh, he can agree with the final decision. He can change the final decision. Barr accepted the final decision in, in the case of, uh, you know, Mueller. All right. I think I found out. I think I found this guy. I think I found out. All right. Jack Smith. Looks like he's from Tennessee. Um, he was the head of the uh, public integrity unit for a while. From 2008 to 2010, Jack served as the investigation coordinator in the office of the prosecutor at the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Um, he was first assistant U.S. attorney for the Middle District of Tennessee in February of 2015. Prior, uh, Let's see, what else has he done? Uh, he, Oh, here we go. Um, Mr. Smith joined the ICC from the United States Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York, where he, where he served for nine years in a number of supervisory positions, including chief of criminal litigation and deputy chief of the criminal Division And it looks like that was from the early, late 90s to um, uh, about 2007 or so. Yeah, I mean, that's a good pedigree. I mean, that's, that's a good background. Sometimes it's deceptive. I mean, sometimes, as you know, even in the military, somebody can have in all the right offices and they're not what they seem to be. Or sometimes they're, they're terrific. Hey, that's here, the right pedigree. Here's something I like about them. I actually, I got to say, I like this. I, I, you see it very rarely. So he went to Harvard Law School, right? Right. But his undergrad was at SUNY Oneonta. There you go. Okay. Which is like a big, you know what I mean? You don't see that. I, I, I just always love it, love it when there's a, like a, a top-rate law school and a you know, fly-by-night. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right. So uh, you're not agitated by this appointment. It can't be worse than, uh, it can't, it can't be worse than uh, Merrick Garland making the decision himself. So if he puts an intermediary in there. Maybe, just maybe, we'll get somebody who's fair, you know. And also can – I don't even know what they're investigating him for now. Uh, this is this is over the – over January 6th, obstruction on January 6th. Did, uh, did they uh, somehow heed the transfer of power, impede the transfer of power? That and the document stuff at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, so they got both. Both, got both. He's going to oversee both. So, I mean, somebody else in the January 6th thing is probably a good idea who hasn't been sort of uh, all worked up by – you remember, remember originally what January 6th was in the first two or three days? It was an uh, attempt to overthrow the government, an insurrection of the government. Four police officers, they said, were, were killed. How it was portrayed, uh, yeah. Uh, numerous people in the hospital beaten up. Uh, then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it turns out nobody killed by the protesters. Protesters didn't even have guns. And there was one person killed inside, and that one they didn't bother to investigate, really. They they uh, covered that up. All right. Hey, I got a piece of information that no one else has talked about. I'm quite frankly the only one. I've noticed it. And 
I think you should know about it. I think the president should know about it. I mean, hopefully somebody's pointed this out. But did you know, sir, when Donald Trump left Washington, D.C. on January 20th of 2021, uh, he arrives in West Palm Beach at about 11 in the morning. He's still the president of the United States. He actually gets to Mar-a-Lago at about 1120 in the morning. Still the president of the United States. <laughs> Joe Biden had not taken the oath. Joe Biden did jump the gun. He took it about 20 minutes early at about 1140. But I've seen the footage of Donald Trump walking into Mar-a-Lago. He's still the president of the United States. To me, that is like that absolves him of everything. If all that stuff was there with him at the time, I mean, he was entitled to but all aren't that they, stuff. I mean, for this thing to be a case, he has to have had some bad intention with it or done something. Just the mere fact that he took it with him, he has it with him. Ah, what actually, yes. And they they basically let him off the hook for that. You're not going to. What about the obstruction? I just heard Turley. Oh, it's the obstruct. Well, that's the whole thing. Even if it was an innocent thing, this is what they get you on. It's like lying to the FBI. But you it's have like- to obstruct with criminal intent. You can't just obstruct by accident. Like if you forget to turn something over and you legitimately forgot, then you can't be prosecuted. If something can be fair. So what exactly what it was? The only way this kind of case should even be thought of is if something, if there was some bad design. He wanted to give it to the Chinese. He wanted to give it to the, maybe there really was Russian collusion. (laughs) He wanted to give it to the Russians. Uh, Maybe he wanted to keep it for a book, you know, like a Cuomo kind of crime. He's stealing stuff for his book. But this looks like just a pure dispute over who should have possession of these things. He thinking I can have most of these because they're personal. And I can determine their personal and the and the uh, uh, the guy who you know takes care of the record saying, no, no, we have to have all of them first. I hope this guy, Jack, just because he's neutral doesn't mean doesn't mean he's going to know what he's supposed to know. I mean, there are outsiders who will not understand the culture, will not understand Congress, will not understand. And let's face it, he's bombarded by the fake news day so in what, and day out. So what I really like to know about him is how many street cases did he prosecute? Mm. Like drug cases, not just white collar cases. Uh, the guys who have done that, women who have done that, have a sense of perspective. Mm. It's like, what are you bothering me with this for? I've done murders, you know. Right. This is, nobody got murdered here. Tell me, tell me, they have a sense of a, a lot of technicalities in the law, but what was the harm done? Show me harm. Right. You show me harm, I'll put you in jail forever. You don't show me harm, I don't know if we're even going to prosecute the case. Yeah. Now we're having a technical dispute over, should he have possession of it? Shouldn't he have possession of it? Uh, what what was, was there some criminal motive for this? And I can't, I can't imagine what that is. This, this is a, a, this is a dispute over the, probably the president not even paying attention. I can't imagine the, the president paid much attention to this. No, I mean, let's face it. His mind is, you know, moves very, very fast in a lot of different directions. Right. And this is something. Look, I think, quite frankly, this is a setup job. You know, oh what my I mean? goodness, this yes. is a setup job. I think, it, I think it is too. Well, Mr. Mayor, you are perfect uh, as usual. Can't believe, it's so great to talk to you about these matters. <laughs> Seriously. Um, all right, what do you got going on your show? Well, today I think we're gonna we're gonna uh, spend some time on FTX. Because I'm really interested in the Ukrainian connection there. Oh, there There's is a, one. Oh, well, there's a whole allegation that money went through the – some of that money went through the Ukraine. And I, I, never heard I don't know of if this. it's true or it's not true. So I, I never heard of him before two days ago. No, I never heard of him either. I heard, I'd heard of FTX. Yeah. Never heard his name. And he's kind of a guy that's bizarre. You would sort of 
if you heard about him, you'd remember it. Mr. Giuliani, Mr. Mayor, I want you to stay with me as we talk to Pamela. And uh, just have, did you see the story in the New York Post about the the janitor from Pennsylvania who works at a New York City public school? He was just dropping off his trash. Yes. I mean, can you believe they put his name in the paper and all this stuff? And uh, Pamela is calling from Central Jersey. She thinks this is actually a big deal. And the Post should have made a bit. Pamela, I love you, but uh, they handed me a note here thinking that you think that this is a legitimate story. Garbage disposal in, like, northern New Jersey, just like everywhere, and Pennsylvania is a big deal. So what? It's not that big a deal. It's never a big deal. Oh, no, no, no. I I understand it's a big deal, but it's not New York Post uh, it's not New York Post, four-year investigation, sting operation, video cameras rolling to watch a uh, uh, 53-year-old guy who's driving into his janitor job every day at 6 in the morning, <laughs> watching him take the trash out of his trunk and putting it on the sidewalk. It ain't that kind of it, – that, it that, that's not a big deal, Pam. Maybe he made a few enemies in the uh, school system. Yeah, you know? that's, and, that's what you – know, somebody doesn't like him, Some the jerk who was the, the documenting him for four years. Mr. Mayor, you know what? It's almost I've, funny. It's funny, and it's, it's sad. stupid. He should have done it. It's stupid. It's like the guys who live outside of New York City, and they don't realize that you, <laughs> they're going to get caught because you pick them up on the uh, on on the, what now amounts to the tolls. Well, you can do it with the tolls. Now you do it with the with the uh, cameras. Do you ever wait in your law enforcement career? Yeah, I'm sure you got tips and whatever. Like sometimes you think, like in this case, if only somebody had taken him aside and said, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be. You know, how many times you ask your father when he was a young cop, how many times he did, he would do that? Discretion. The guy, the guy would commit some kind of a minor little crime and he'd say to him, OK, don't do it. You do it again, boy, you're going to. But OK, here's one that comes to mind, not regarding my father, uh, but any of his friends. I mean, I, my, my uncles would tell me about it. This is a higher profile case, but you'll remember it. Judge Saul Wachler, when oh, he was retired. Knew him well, yeah. And he was. Basically harassing an ex-girlfriend on the phone, Joy Silverman. I, I think remember her name the, was. I remember the scandal. Yeah, and my God, the FBI is monitoring the phone calls for like three months, and they arrest him and they put him in jail. If only somebody could have gone to him and said, "Sal, stop what you're doing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you <laughs> we all friend. know what you're doing. You got to stop <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, it's getting crazy, Sal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody he should have done that. He, he was, was a good guy, too. He was a good guy. He wasn't a bad guy at all. They sent him to prison. He got stabbed in prison for uh, calling his ex-girlfriend day yeah, and night. Yeah, yeah. He was Fred Wilpon's brother-in-law. Really? The Mets, yeah, of the Mets. I think Fred. we still say he was. I think, he, is he still alive? I think he's alive, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think he's still alive. He actually wrote a very interesting book, a memoir called uh, After the Madness, I think it was called. Right. And he, it was very, you know, he put it all in there. And I think he might have said, like, gosh, would have been nice if somebody just had intervened. And too often in society, we just kind of, you know, we're ratting each other out all a the time. floor in an otherwise really uh, pretty terrific guy. Yeah. 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 Amazing. All right. Hey, we got to take a break. And uh, thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Um, the mayor is uh, he had to go right down the hall get his uh, get his material. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. Really, really fantastic being able to talk to him about these issues. And how about that Saul Walkler case? He was the chief judge of New York, and they busted him for uh, making phone calls to that woman who was an ex girlfriend. Did we find out is Saul Walkler still alive? I think he is. I think I would have remembered if he died. 
and uh, a good guy. I really enjoyed that book. I only met him once, and at, come to think of it, I met him at uh, uh, City Field. I met him at City Field, and, and the mayor just mentioned that they had a he had a connection to the Wilpons. All right, Saul Walkler is he alive or what? Yes, he is. Ninety two years old. Fantastic. Uh, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. All right. I got to go across the street, get my act together for the Newsmax show tonight. And I was right. That book was called After the Madness, came out in 1997. He was a little bit too hard on himself. I didn't think he was mad. You know what I mean? He was just uh, a human, a human being. And uh, I wish somebody in that process had had cut the guy a break, had cut him a little bit of slack, had intervened instead of because if it wasn't the ex if it wasn't the New York's top judge if it was uh say a janitor at a school you know somebody you know his boss would have just said hey i just got a complaint about you knock it off at the phone quit pay, quit playing with the phone and he would have understood but no had to make had to make a federal case out of it you ever know we don't even say that anymore it's not even a thing we used to say you don't have to make a federal case out of it well nobody says it anymore because everybody makes a big deal out of anything Right. And there's something else we never say anymore. Uh, that guy has a chip on his shoulder. You ever notice that? No one says that anymore. Why? Because everybody's got a silly chip on their shoulder. Uh, Eric in Manhattan. How about you? Hi. I'll, I'll try to be quick, Greg. Uh, the Pelosi thing, <laughs> and this is based on your you have a tremendous amount of restraint. I respect that. Um, and I, I think it's not going to go to court. I think it's, the charge is going to be quietly dropped. But I don't know what you're talking uh, really about. Oh, Paul it. Pelosi. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe quietly dropped. Well, I'll make noise. What? Oh no. The other thing. The other point is um, for someone to say the American people are not interested in, in uh, the American people are interested in investigations of actual crimes and possible treason, uh, but to say we're not interested in cases of um, uh, to say we're not interested in those real cases. That's that's Mitch McConnell talking. You know, I can hear I can hear him now. I'm going to reach for I don't know. And um, to fix the problems uh, so that Biden has, Biden has created, just do what President Trump would do. But he's going to do it. But if by some chance he's not elected, uh, do what Trump – what would Trump do? That's it. All right. You know, but he's going to be reelected. There's Thanks, the music. Greg. Thank you. Uh, well, everybody, have a great weekend. i got to get the – I got to get across the street. I've got to ooh, ooh, stretch. Hey, next week is Thanksgiving. What's going to happen then? What's the poultry situation like? Is it a shortage or not? Is it really a thing? Hey, I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to everybody's phone, especially you, Sandra. We'll talk next week. Uh, Thank you all. Bye-bye. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.